Just to kind of review where we were Wednesday evening, uh, we looked at uh, Jesus Christ uh, in a very humble uh, situation. And of course, here we are, we're in the upper room, right? And we're going to be in that upper room for the next few classes uh, as they have the Passover feast. And again, just to kind of give us some a time frame, uh, this would have been a Thursday going into Friday. Uh, again, uh, Thursday night into Friday morning uh, into the Passover feast. Again, Jesus is not going to go to bed uh, this night. Right? He, he's had his last night of rest uh, the, the day prior uh, because we know he's going to go out into the garden eventually and be arrested. And so he's not going to go to sleep this night. And again, we are less than 24 hours from his crucifixion. So again, that's where we are uh, in the life of Christ. And you recall as they are in this upper room, Together, as they're having the Passover meal together, that argument once again comes forward that, they've, that the apostles have had uh, a couple of times. Who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And again, whether uh, that's because Jesus was started to talk in this kingdom language again, or if it was because of based on where they were seated at the, the banquet table with Jesus, again, that, that question comes up. Which one of us is going to be the greatest? And Jesus, again, uh, tells them basically what he's told them before, right? It's not your position in life that's going to make you great in the kingdom, but it is your willingness to serve one another, your willingness to serve. But instead of just telling them that, this time he goes ahead and he provides them with that lesson, that demonstration of his humility. And so um, he takes the position of a servant and he washes every one of their feet. He's the host of this dinner, but yet he gets down. Uh, he, he girds himself with that towel. He washes their feet, dries their feet off. And again, we talked a little bit about that this was not a ritual. This was not uh, a worship, uh, an act of worship that Jesus was doing, but this was just customary. Right? Your feet were dirty when you came into someone's home. And that was a custom for you to uh, have someone wash the feet of your guests. Just the, similar to how we would say, hey, can I take your coat or can I get you a drink? Um, there was the custom of that day to wash people's feet. But again, it was sort of uh, the lowliest of things that you might have your servant do. But Jesus got down and served his, his apostles. And of course, Peter speaks up, right? Peter's the one who always objects uh, or speaks up boldly and says, Lord, uh, you know, you're not going to wash my feet. But remember that Jesus said, well, if you don't let me wash your feet, then you're not going to have any part of this kingdom. And, of course, Peter changes his tune pretty quickly, doesn't he? He says, um, well, then please uh, wash, my, wash my hands and my head. And, you know, basically saying, you know, wash me all over, Jesus. And uh, he gives this to them as an example, right? This I give to you, leave to you as an example for you to do for others, serve and we even you know, hinted at the point of which, uh, which one of the apostles there with him, are we sort of surprised that he served? And that, of course, is uh, Judas, right? Judas was there when Jesus uh, washed their feet. And, of course, he has already set in his heart to betray Jesus. And we're going to talk a lot about Judas here this morning. Uh, as we continue forward in the life of Christ. And uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John sort of all summarize what we're going to talk about here this morning, but we're going to stick to John's account because he gives us the most detail. And so if you would, again, turn to John 13, and we'll be here momentarily. Uh, but as we begin this lesson, 
Here's the question of the morning, the question uh, that the curriculum has put forward. How do people know that you are a follower of God? How do people know that you are a follower of God? I'm trying to remember when this was. I think it was back in 2006, but I had a... There was this uh, sports radio show back in Michigan that I used to listen to all the time. It was called The Huge Show, and he would talk about you know, Michigan sports, and uh, he was giving away free tickets to one of his live events. Uh, that was gonna, it was during the Michigan versus Michigan State football rivalry week. Right? That's a big week in, in the state of Michigan, uh, Michigan versus Michigan State. And he was giving away tickets to this event for this live show, and uh, I won tickets, called in, won tickets, and so I went there, and of course... Uh, hopefully by now you know which side I am, right? Which, which side was I on? Michigan State, right? Go green, green and white. And so I went there, and uh, you got on one side of the theater were the Spartan fans, and on the other side of the theater were the Wolverine fans. And uh, that year we weren't too good. And uh, uh, there was only a couple of us, a handful of us on the Spartan side, while the, the Michigan side was just completely packed. And I even got interviewed that morning or that evening on, on the radio because, you know, there was just a lack of people on my side to uh, speak. And, um, but, pe- but the point is, the people there, you know, they could tell who I was a follower of, right? Because I was wearing the green and white. I was wearing my Spartan gear. Uh, people could tell who I was a follower of. Well, how, how today do Christians show who they follow? How do they do that today? What? Sorry? The way they act. Okay. Yeah. What sets us apart? How we act? Um, The life that we live. Okay. Our speech. If someone came up to you and said, you know, where do you uh, attend worship services? Do you get into your wallet and you pull out your membership card and say, you know, I was... I became a member of the Lord's Church on, you know, December 15th, 1985. Is that how we do it? No. no. Uh, do, we, uh, do we show them our bumper stickers and, and show them, you know, who we, uh, where we go? Or do we show them, you know, our, our jerseys, our, our, our church colors and say, oh, I'm, I'm a member of, you know, that congregation over there. That's not how we do it, do we? Jesus tells us how... We are to do that. He's going to tell us in this lesson. Uh, matter of fact, hopefully we'll get there this morning. I know we're a little behind time. But he's going to say, all men will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That's how people are going to notice that you are one of Jesus' disciples, if you have love for one another. So let's jump into the text. Uh, let's, let's kind of break this down a little bit instead of reading it all at once. And start in verse 21, John chapter 13, starting in verse 21. Uh, When Jesus had said this, he became troubled in spirit. I guess we should just talk about what he had just said. Uh, Wednesday evening, we looked at the following verses. Again, where Jesus, uh, he he washed their feet. He told them about the example that they are to do, uh, this, this serving example. And then he also talks in verse 18 about this one individual within the group that he, he eats my bread. He who eats my bread has lifted up his heel against me. And again, he's referring to that betrayal that is about to happen. 
So again, when Jesus had said this, he became troubled in spirit and testified and said, truly, truly, I say to you that one of you will betray me. The disciples began looking at one another at a loss to know of which one he was speaking. There was reclining on Jesus' bosom one of him or one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. So Simon Peter gestured to him and said to him, tell us who it is of whom he is speaking. He, leaning back thus on Jesus' bosom, said to him, Lord, who is it? Okay, so at this point, we see Jesus is troubled in spirit. Troubled in his spirit. And, uh, you know, again, this points to the humanity of Jesus, right? We often uh, think of Jesus as the Son of God, and uh, as we should, but uh, he was also human, right, in the flesh. And he had uh, these worries as well. He was troubled in his spirit. Of course, this is going to be magnified uh, when we get to the Garden of Gethsemane, but uh, there's a lot of reasons why. You know, he's troubled in spirit at this moment, right? He knows what's about to happen, about what to take, what's going to take place. Um, he knows that Judas has betrayed him. He knows that the rest of the apostles are going to soon scatter. Again, within this 24-hour period, that's a troubling time for Jesus. You know, that brings up, the, that brings up a good question for us uh, this morning. Um, is it a blessing to not know the future? Yeah. Yeah, we, we don't think about that, do we? A lot of us would say, hey, I'd love to know the future, right? Because, you know, I, I'd love to know when these things are going to happen. And I could prevent these things. But what if we truly knew the future uh, as Jesus did? That we knew that these certain events are going to take place uh, at these certain times. You think of Jesus having to live like that, knowing, again, that these people are going to betray him. Right? Or this, this man's going to betray him. And the rest of them are going to sort of follow suit and, and flee uh, when trouble comes. And so, again, Jesus was troubled in spirit, knowing what was about to happen. And he says, truly, truly, I say to you that one of you will betray me. Again, he's already hinted at this when we looked at the last lesson. You know, he said one of you is unclean. Um, verse 18 again says, that, you know, the one who eats my bread has lifted up his heel against me. That's him uh, prophesying or that's a fulfillment of prophecy uh, of one of the Psalms. But again, let's think of this picture, you know, picture this in your mind. You've got Jesus saying, listen, listen, one of you is going to betray me. You think the disciples are all looking around, confused? You know, which one? You know, who, who is it? Which one of us is going to do that? And what do you think Judas is going through right now? I think maybe he's, uh, what we'd say, sweating bullets. Uh, how does he know? He knows. Right? Why is he bringing this up? He must know that I've already gone to the Jewish leadership and, and received money to offer to betray him. And here Jesus is calling uh, someone out within the 12. And it even says in Matthew's account, we don't have time to go over there, Matthew 26 talks about how all of them, even Judas, was saying to Jesus, surely it is not I, surely it is not I. But according to uh, verse 23 that we just read, there was reclining on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Who is this guy? John. Yeah, so this is, this is the Apostle John. Um, th this phrase, the, the one whom uh, Jesus loved, or 
the, the apostle of love, uh, sometimes we often refer to, this is John. This is the writer of this gospel account. This is one of the 12 apostles. We talked Wednesday night about you know, who we think those two individuals were who sat next to Jesus at this banquet uh, was Judas, and we'll see that here in a moment, and the apostle John. Right? John is reclining right next to Jesus here. He, he's got his head close to him, reclining here. Uh, this isn't the only time that John's going to refer to him like this. Uh, he'll refer to himself like this at the cross, uh, at the empty tomb, and even in the last chapter. Uh, I'm going to skip to John chapter 21 uh, just, to, just to show you uh, that, that this is the, the apostle John. Uh, in John chapter 21, uh, starting in verse... Uh, 20. So Jesus is having this conversation with Peter, sort of this, uh, this special conversation between Peter and Jesus. Remember, we're on the beach here, and Jesus is, uh, has been, of course, he's already been resurrected at this point, and he's appearing to some of the apostles on the beach. And Jesus says, in verse, or excuse me, in verse 20 of John 21, it says, Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, following them, the one who had leaned back on his bosom at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? So Peter, seeing him, says to Jesus, Lord, and what about this man? And Jesus said to him, if, he, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Uh, then, then we skip down to verse 24. And it says, this is the disciple who is testifying to these things and wrote these things. And we know that his testimony is true. So, we just want to bring that up at this point because going forward, we're going to see this phrase come up quite a bit in, in John's gospel account of him, of him referring to himself as the one who Jesus loved. Uh, now, that's sort of uh, ironic, right? Because didn't Jesus love all his disciples? Yeah, and so uh, a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people you might read uh, in some of the commentaries will talk about, you know, uh, maybe, uh, maybe John's being a little egotistic, you know, because he's writing this gospel account and he's setting himself out as, again, the one who uh, Jesus loved. But probably, that's probably not the case. Uh, it's probably him being more humble than anything, right? That he doesn't want to refer to himself in the first person. Uh, I, John, uh, we've already talked about how Jesus has that inner circle of uh, friends, right? Peter, James, and John. Well, uh, could it even be that Jesus has uh, even a closer friend than, than those three or within those three? Right? Uh, you know, maybe it was the case that the Apostle John was Jesus' best friend. Right? That they had this relationship just like David and Jonathan had in, in the Old Testament. That they were uh, knit to each other's souls. They were uh, best bros, I guess we would say in today's terminology. Always uh, with one another. And so... Uh, again, what, for whatever reason, we don't know, but John refers to himself as uh, the disciple who Jesus loves. And so he's sitting there right next to Jesus. Peter uh, prods him a little bit and says, hey, ask him who that is. Right? Ask him who he's talking about. And so John does that. In verse 25, uh, he asks Jesus directly who it is. So let, let's read what Jesus says. Verse 26, uh, Jesus then answered, that is the one for whom I shall dip the morsel and give it to him. So when he had dipped the morsel, he took and gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. After the morsel, Satan then entered into him. Therefore, Jesus said to him, what you do, 
do quickly. Now, no one of those reclining at the table knew for what purpose he had said this to him. For some were supposing, because Judas had the money box, that Jesus was saying to him, buy the things we need for the, uh, for the feast, or else that he could give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel, he went out immediately, and it was night. So, you know, Jesus is making it pretty obvious, obvious here who uh, the one who's going to betray him, right? Uh, he says, I'm going to take this morsel, uh, this piece of bread, I'm going to dip it uh, into the, the bowl, and whoever I give it to, that's the person I'm talking about, right? That's the one who is going to betray me. You know, again, there's some speculation here as to was this conversation only between Jesus and John and Peter? Uh, did, the whole, did all the 12 know that this was going on? Uh, it doesn't seem likely uh, because of what we're going to talk about here in a minute. And so probably this was more of a, a private conversation that Jesus was having with uh, Peter and John and saying, okay, whoever I give this to, this is the one who's going to betray me. And we're told there in verse 27 that, again, we, we saw this the other day that uh, talks about how Satan entered into Judas. Uh, Judas has, is now relinquishing uh, his, um, or he's allowing, he's allowing Satan to, uh, his influence, the influence of Satan to, to take on and to uh, go ahead with the betrayal. Right? Not that the, Satan is physically entering into John, or excuse me, Judas, but that the influence that Satan has, he's letting it take over, right? And so he's going to go through with this. Jesus told him in verse 27, whatever you do, do it quickly. Um, did the disciples get, you know, what was going on here? They didn't, did they? Uh, verse 28 again says that uh, now no one uh, of those reclining at the table knew for what purpose he had said this to him. So Ju Jesus said to Judas, what you do, do quickly. Nobody there at the table knows what he meant by that. Except for Judas, of course. And again, we are on God's timetable. Uh, even though Judas uh, is the one who's going to betray Jesus, uh, we are still on God's timetable, right? Things are going to happen according to um, God. Jesus is in control of the situation, as always. And uh, we've noticed that over the past couple of lessons. Um, they think, it says here, they think that when Jesus tells Judas to do quickly, they think he's telling him to what? In verse, yeah, go buy more food. Right? Judas, of course, had the money box, didn't he? He was the treasurer. He was the one who, I guess we would say, had the checkbook or the debit card for the group. And they told Judas, uh, or they, they think that Jesus is telling Judas to go buy some more food. Or, or it says, or even go give something to the poor. Right? So they think he's giving him a mission to go uh, take care of some things. But uh, again, that's not the case here. Uh, verse 30 says that Judas immediately went out. So after receiving the morsel, he went out immediately, and it was night. Do you think that phrase there, it was night, do you think that's simply a, a time stamp for us? 
that for us to know that it was nighttime, or do you think there's more behind that? It does, doesn't it? It's, this is a dark time, isn't it? Uh, we didn't, I didn't necessarily touch on this, but you know, Jesus giving that morsel to a Judas, that was sort of a, 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 a good gesture, right? That was something, again, Jesus is the host of this meal, and he gives you this, this piece of bread, this morsel of bread. That is a, a, a gesture. Uh, he's giving Judas you know, one last chance, right, to um, not go through with what he's planning to go through. What you do, do quickly, and he decides to leave that upper room, right? Jesus, or Judas leaves the upper room, and again, John records that it was night. It's, it's a gloomy hour, isn't it? It's, uh, it's representative of, uh, I mean, yes, it is nighttime uh, physically, but also literally, it's nighttime. Uh, one uh, preacher once said that it is always night when a soul goes out from the presence of Jesus Christ. Right? And so that's what, that's what John is uh, getting through to his readers here, that you know, this, was, this was a dark time. Uh, it was night. It was dark. Uh, verses 31 through 35. Therefore, when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him immediately. Little children, I am with you a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So, despite that's all going on, despite the fact that Judas just left, uh, the scene is dark, Jesus says that God's going to be glorified, that he himself is going to be glorified. Uh, God's going to be praised and honored. And uh, he reminds his apostles that, you know, I'm going someplace that you cannot come. Uh, he's, again, he already mentions here that this has already been mentioned to the Jews. Back in uh, John chapter, uh, where was it? John chapter 7 and 8, he told the Jewish leaders that he was going to go somewhere and they weren't going to be able to follow him. And now he's telling the same thing to his apostles. And what's, what's this in reference to? What's he talking about? Okay, yeah, I mean, we're basically talking about his, uh, his death, burial, resurrection uh, into heaven, his ascension into heaven. He, he's going to heaven. He's going someplace that they just cannot follow right now. And, uh, and we know that because if we skip into John chapter 14... You know, verses 2 through 4 are those uh, you know, very familiar verses where Jesus says, In my Father's house are many dwelling places, and if it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. Right? So Jesus is telling them that, uh, first off, he's telling them, here's some comforting words for them. I'm going to go somewhere. Um, but then he gives them this new commandment. This new commandment, verse 34, verse 35. Love one another. Now, is this really a new commandment? No. No. 
Yeah, we go back to the Old Testament and we can see passages. Uh, of course, uh, Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And then in Leviticus, <laughs> Leviticus of all places, chapter 19, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Right? And those two verses, uh, Jesus tells us the, you know, the whole Old Testament, to Old Testament hangs, it, you know, hangs on those two verses. And so this isn't a new message that he's given to them to love one another. But it's how we are to love one another that he emphasizes, that he adds. What does he say? Again, how does he tell us to love one another? As I have loved you. Uh, being with them for those three years, uh, teaching and preaching, uh, showing uh, his concern for all humanity. Um, I want you to love this way. Again, as I have loved you. And it should be noted that this is, I mean, what does he say the basis, or what's he say this is um, in verse 34? A new what? It's a commandment, isn't it? Uh, it's not a suggestion that we should love one another, but it's a new commandment, a commandment. Um, this is that, that word uh, agape, agape love. Uh, as Brother West's sermon here this morning, uh, sort of surrounded by, you know, Valentine's Day. You know, Valentine's Day for a lot of us is sort of uh, a mushy type of love, right? Uh, that we hand somebody a box of chocolates and a card and tell them that we love them. Uh, it's sort of a, a mushy, right? I don't know a better word to describe it, but it's sort of that, that type of love, right? Is that what agape love is? Is that the love that Jesus is talking about? No, it's a self-sacrificial type of love, right? I want what's best for that other person. It's not walking out the building and seeing your brother on the ground and handing them a Valentine's Day card and saying, hey, I love you. But it's getting down on the floor with them and uh, putting your arm around them and finding out why they're down there and you know, praying with them, right? Th that's the sort of love that Jesus is talking about, an agape love. You want what's best for them. For anybody. And this is how people will know we are Christ's disciples, right? That's how they know who we are, by us having that type of love for one another. I mentioned this the other day, but the, the, the early church father, Tertullian, um, who wrote about how the people would say about the Christians, you know, how they love one another, right? People took notice of that. You know, the, about the Romans, how they hated one another. You know, they couldn't stand to be one another. But that, that group of Christians, oh, how they loved one another. You know, people took notice of that. And again, uh, we're not talking about a superficial type of love, but we're talking about a love that people can truly see. Let's uh, quickly uh, just do the last few verses here, and we'll finish John 13. Uh, verse 36, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow later. And Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you right now? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, a rooster will not crow until you deny me three times. He just got done giving them this new commandment. And Peter wants to know, about the other thing, right? Where are you going? Why can't I come with you? I'm ready to fight for you. 
And of course, uh, Jesus foretells of Peter's denial. And we will look at that lesson a little bit down the road uh, when we get to that. Of course, uh, that's going to be Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are all going to record it because of its importance. But that's what Peter was worried about. Right? Where are you going? He wasn't worried about uh, this new commandment that Jesus is challenging them to uh, practice, to live out. And uh, again, for Peter, uh, we know what's going to happen. He's going to deny him those three times. Uh, But we often forget that all the apostles, right, uh, the rest of them. Uh, of course, Judas is already gone. Peter's going to deny him those three times, and the other ten are going to scatter as well uh, within the next few hours. And so, uh, again, when Jesus says that his spirit is troubled, uh, we can understand why. I think that's uh, our time here this morning. I know we had to uh, kind of cram everything in here in a short amount of time, but appreciate everyone's attention. On Wednesday, we will go into the next lesson where we uh, talk about the Lord's Supper. Jesus is going to institute that uh, here as we go forward in that upper room uh, without Judas. And uh, so appreciate everyone this morning. And Brother Jimmy's got our closing prayer for us.